Welcome to the Multifamily by the Slice Podcasts with your hosts, Dre Evans and Ike Eke. On this show, you'll gain unique perspectives from investors and professionals on all aspects of the apartment investing space. Do you want to achieve legacy wealth and live a life of financial freedom? Well, all it takes is that first slice of wisdom to get you started on the journey to building your empire. Please subscribe to the show, leave a five-star review, and pass it along to a friend that can benefit from a slice of multifamily knowledge. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Multifamily by the Slice. Today, we had Blake Daly on the show, and this is a fun a fun one, folks, because Blake really helped us and is going to help you as our listeners understand interesting ways to get into real estate where you don't necessarily have that much capital to start with. We talk about exotic lending uh, possibilities and, and ways you can help, you can work with the seller to buy property. That's how he started. And that's how he grew his portfolio. And I think that a lot of you out there that have not yet grown the equity or grown the cash you need to get into the a deal conventionally will take a lot away from this episode. What do you think, Dre? Yeah, this is for, this will really light a fire under your ass for sure. You know, Blake's an Air, Air Force Academy grad and he discusses how he was able to replace his income that first, his officer income, which is not bad. Um, what was that first year, that second year? And as I mentioned, a lot of it deals with the creative financing, what subleases and master leases and just creative financing. Um, we, even, we even try to go in some examples of how it even communicates with the buyers, um, the, the exact verbiage and language that he uses in order to get them to lend to him. And we really wanted to push that because we really wanted to add value to you all. And I, I can I agree that you know, if we're going to do this and we're going to have him speak on that, we don't want him to just give something surface level and say, hey, this is a creative strategy I use. But we imagine you're all probably sitting back. Well, what is that strategy? How did you do it? What did you say? Because it's great to obviously you can go with the trial and error and there are merits and there are lessons that come from that. But one of the reasons that you're listening to this podcast is so you get something out of it. And so we want to be stewards great stewards and active stewards of your time and respect that. And so our goal was to really push and dig a little bit deeper on Blake, even if it was uncomfortable for him to make sure that he really handed out the loaves of bread that he needed to hand out for you all. So I'm excited once again for this show. This this is another another very good one for me. This one even this is a motivator. For this one so uh let's get into it now a word from our show sponsor are you looking to grow your real estate investing business fortune cribs can help fortune cribs helps investors buy short-term rentals and select markets across the country for as little as 10 percent down with no cash on cash returns in the 20 to 30 percent range fortune cribs will design furnish and manage all the day-to-day operations making your experience truly hands-off and it doesn't matter whether you're at in your real estate investing journey, whether you're trying to get your first deal or scale your portfolio, Fortune Cribs can help. So if you want to take the next step, go to fortunecribs.com and book your free consultation to see how Fortune Cribs can best help you. Once again, that's fortunecribs.com and let them know we sent you. 
What's going on, folks? Dre Evans here, also known as Deep Dish Dre, bringing you another amazing episode of Multifamily by the Slice. I got my co-host in the house, Ike Eke. What's going on, bro? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. My voice may be a little a little off. I'm battling a bit of a cold, not COVID. We we thank God, but uh, I'm doing good, man. I'm, I'm I can't complain. How about you? I couldn't tell, man. You sound beautiful. Oh, thank you, thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, man. But uh, actually, interesting times, as you know, we're recording. This is in a way our first recording, kind of like on the go. I know you've been doing a lot of traveling, but for me. Uh, traveling is picking up. I'm recording for the first time outside of the beautiful San Diego. Teardrop, I'm in the New England area. I'll be here for a couple more weeks and then I'll be back in the city in July. So this is different, but I'm excited. Um, I know you're excited. I'm excited to have our guest on the show. He is a, a fellow that I've kept in contact with off and on for quite a bit. He is extremely busy. So we've been actually planning this out for several months now. So, uh, Ike, you want to do the pleasure and uh, introduce Blake? Absolutely. Absolutely. Today we have Blake Daly on the show. He is active duty Air Force, but more importantly, he is a multifamily and Burbnb investor. And I'll, I'll throw it over to him to explain what that is. Uh, Blake, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Good to be back in the podcast. I haven't, you know, I, I was telling you guys I had mine and had to stop because I got so busy, but uh, <laughs> good to be on the other end of Zoom again. Happy to have you, man. Yeah. So, yeah, tell the tell the audience a little bit about yourself, um, you know, what you do in your daily life, but more importantly, how you got into real estate and where you are in real estate today. Yeah. So, as you said, I'm still active duty Air Force. I've been investing in real estate since we've been active duty. Got to my first duty station at uh, at Tyndall Air Force Base in Panama City. And, you know, all through college, I was listening to Bigger Pockets, reading the books, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad at some point. And I was like, hey, man, I can do this, you know, and uh, got into it, used our VA loan, started that way. And almost immediately, like while we're still in temporary lodging on the base, started doing handwritten uh, direct mail letters to, they just had a hurricane. So there's all kinds of distressed properties. Um, people not getting paid out by insurance, needed to sell, needed to liquidate. So my wife, Nicole, she'd write all the addresses on the envelopes and I'd write literally handwrite like the, Hey, this is Blake, you know, I'm in the air force. I want to buy your house. And we got there in July. We closed the first one with our VA loan. We, um, on the exact same day, like a month later, we closed our first one um, with some partners I met in the area at a meetup. That was our first, third, yeah, my first burr. And then did another one and started doing creative finance, like uh, seller financing, lease options, started wholesaling and getting some deals to generate some capital to buy some more rentals. Um, evolved into multifamily now, Burbnb with a handful of boutique hotels in Florida and uh, Lake Tahoe, California. Awesome. Awesome. There's, there's a lot to unpack there, but I, I do I, I do want to start from the very beginning, if I can, just for a second, because we've had, you know, quite a few military on the show and, you know, a running theme, at least in getting started, is using that VA loan. And so I think it'd be very useful to our audience for you to explain, um, for those that are in the military, for you to explain, you know, how you can use something like that to jumpstart your real estate investment career. Yeah, absolutely. The VA loan is such a, a huge tool in the tool belt of like getting into real estate and being able to start because it's a zero down loan. So you can get it to your first property, especially if you buy a, a multi-unit like we did. It technically, it was a single family home, but had a um, 
an attached guest suite that has like own entrance, full kitchen, full bathroom is separate from the main house. So we put that on Airbnb and we're able to actually cash flow, live for free. And if you know, you're in the military living this, you get your BAH when you live off base. So you get paid to live off base. And if you can do that like a house hack, you can actually, you know, pay your whole mortgage or, you know, put some money in your pocket like we were doing. So then you're getting your BAH, you're getting your cash flow checks, your mortgage is taken care of you on this asset that, you know, is appreciating. And it's a, a really great way to get in. Now, of course, zero down, you're going to have a, a bigger mortgage payment. So you want to make sure that the, the deal still works out. But if you're, you know, paying less than you would in rent, it's probably a good deal because you own the property. You're, you know, gaining equity, even though you start with zero because you <laughs> put zero down. So you have no yeah. equity when you go, unless you get a really good deal. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's an awesome, awesome thing. We've actually used our VA loan twice now, and we still have both of those properties. So you have a certain amount of entitlement. I think in most areas of the country, it's around, I think it just went up. So um, and that we're actually moving this summer. So in the area we're looking at, for example, it's like 646,000. So if you already had a loan for 200,000, you could get a second loan for that uh, remaining balance, 446,000 and buy your second property. So we actually have two here in Panama city and got four units that way for zero down. Um, super awesome. They've been, you know, cash flow positive since we had them, especially since we moved out of the main unit in the first one. And it's just a great way to get started. I would definitely advocate it. Yeah, it's it's incredible. If if you're military and you have access to that, I, I would highly recommend you know taking advantage of it. And even, even if you're not, there's the FHA loans, which yep. allow you to put even put less than the conventional amount, twenty percent down. You can put you know as low as I believe three and a half percent down mm-hmm. to buy a property. And like you said, Blake, the you know monthly mortgage service is going to mm-hmm. be higher. But if you buy right and think about it long term and slowly build that equity in that property and hopefully cash flow a little bit. It's a fantastic way to get into real estate. So, so I, I can't speak about that anymore. Um, yeah, the difference being like VA loan and the FHA loan, um, you know, is the PMI. So mm-hmm. you have you have the added PMI with the FHA loan. So um, depending on your loan balance, makes a little bit and adds to your monthly payment. But still, like yeah, I think you're getting, especially if you buy a multi, like if you're doing this to real, like be a real estate investor and buy a two unit or a you know, something with a detached guest house or a mother-in-law suite or a basement that you convert. Like there's so many ways to turn extra space into, you know, an income producing unit that you can have Airbnb, long-term rental, whatever it is. Um, traveling nurses, like there's so many different ways that you can rent that out and just learn yep. that strategy by doing it in your own home. And that's what we did. And that was the start of our short-term rental journey. So <laughs> paid yeah, off. There's, there's very, very similar parallels between the VA loan and the FHA. But like I mentioned, you just need the three and a half percent. So I, you did mention, obviously, in Blake and your bio, just the creative financing and the, and the lease options and the wholesaling. So I do want to touch on that because that is something that we haven't talked a lot about on the show. So just tell us, walk us, even if you want to walk us through a deal and maybe some 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 nuggets that you've learned when you were doing your seller financing and your in your in your creative financing, what that was like, and, and some lesson learned and some value you can add to the listeners. Yeah. Also something I would, I would recommend in a big way is like what got me started down that kind of creative finance path was um, uh, Brandon Turner's book. It's got the longest title ever, but it's like investing in real estate with no and low money down. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it gives all these strategies of ways you can get into real estate using, you know, without using much of your own money and all of my deals, like I put in a little bit, I don't know if I have a true like zero money down deal, but like I've, you know, gotten deals for, um, you know, like 300 bucks or less than a thousand, you know, with the marketing expense and stuff like that, or maybe like the, um, the fee to like record it or whatever. 
And that's the, the, the loan portion. And then like when we closed our first house, me and my wife had like a combined $1,400 in our bank account and we're some, somehow able to do the down payment. Like I was just out of college. Like they, that, that uh, bank had no business giving um, me a loan. I love it. I made it work. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So they, I mean, it, it turned out, you know, never missed a payment. So they, they made good on that. But yeah, man, when I started out, like I had to do these no and low down strategies because that was like my only option. If I wanted to buy real estate, if I wanted to get into deals, I had to find ways to be creative, you know, learn negotiation to find what the other the other party, the seller, you know, I've worked a lot directly to seller, like find out what it was that was causing them to sell, what kind of need they had to get rid of their property. They needed cash. There's so many different, I mean, there's like infinite scenarios out there of why a seller would need to sell their house and spend a lot of time just listening, um, you know, reading, consuming content about like how to negotiate, how to like drive down to that. Um, and then also knowing the strategies, that, like once you've got the need identified and like how you can help them, you need to have the tools to actually be able to close that transaction and knowing where the funding is going to come from. Because a lot of the times in these creative finance deals, it says low and no money down, but a lot of times that money comes from somewhere. So you have to know those, those sources. So um, like I was saying, the first one was VA loan. The second one was seller financing. And that's where the seller basically became the bank. I provided a small down payment, which actually came from a partner that did the rehab with me as well. Um, so they provided the, the down payment, the, uh, the seller carried the mortgage and we pay them every month until we got to the rehab and we were able to complete the birth strategy. Um, there's things like master lease options where, um, you can get in, get control of a property without actually closing and taking title. Like that's the lease portion. And then you have the option, which is a second document to buy it in the future. So those are like my first three deals back to back to back, just by knowing, um, what those strategies were and being able to like, I intelligently convey them to sellers. And then from there, it got a little bit more um, capital intensive because those are like very low money down just in general. And, you know, from there, it kind of escalates into finding partners that you can do deals with that they bring the capital, you bring the hustle and the deal um, hard money, which is you know going to be increased terms, not, not great debt because it's short term, it's high rate, you know, there's usually points on it. So you have to pay a percentage of the purchase price, like upfront to fund the deal. Um, but then there's times like I'd bring the partner to provide the down payment, get the hard money for the financing. So still not bringing money and doing the birth strategy and um, paying all that back. There's, so there's so many good options out there. And if you, if you can figure out, you know, first learn those strategies and what they are and how to apply them. And then, you know, identify the need on the seller and how to like marry those two things, like the seller's need and like your, uh, you know, closing strategy or creative finance strategy and put those together. You can make a lot of deals, especially now when margins are tight. You know, if you can um, think creatively and not just think, Hey, I've got to put 20 cent, 20% down on a rental property and I've got to save up money until I get that 20%. Like that is not the only way to do real estate. And if, yeah. you know, it, it kind of limits you if, if, especially now in this market, if you don't want yeah. to be a little creative. There, there's a couple of things I want to highlight there. Um, first, to the listeners, that was basically a masterclass on unconventional financing. You, you, you noticed there that there was no uh, you know, 20% down payment on those first three deals. There was no going to Wells Fargo or Chase and signing up for a mortgage. <laughs> it, that, I mean, if you want to learn about un, uh, the unconventional ways to finance property, just rewind a little bit and listen to that again. That was, that was gold. Uh, second, and it's something I wanted to tease out from basically all of your deals, and it's basically the components needed to, to close on a deal. One is finding a deal. Two is having the capital to do it. And three is the experience to get it done. And 
to the audience, you'll notice that Blake didn't have all three in any of those first three deals. And what he did was find somebody else, another party that had the piece that he needed, which was either capital or the deal itself or the strategy to get it done. And that's how he did it. So, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. It's a great way to, to, yeah, man, when you get started, when you get started, you gotta be like a puzzle maker. Like every, every deal is like, you gotta find the pieces and and put them together. And sometimes that's partners. Sometimes that's a really great deal. And that's all you have. And you're like, Hey, I need to find out like the other pieces, you know, the lending, the the partner, whatever it is, like how to get through the renovations if it needs a rehab. And there's like, that's the fun part of like doing deals and being on the hunt and putting stuff together is like, crafting that whole, that whole puzzle piece together too. But first you got to like, like you're saying, know what parts you need, like finding the deal, finding the money, you know, the financing and being able to actually complete the project, the experience. So those are yeah. definitely the first three things to understand. So those, those are great points. Uh, I can from you, Blake. Um, you did mention Blake that, you know, you had to have a certain language that you use to communicate with uh, the sellers. And so if you wouldn't mind, I'd be curious if you would like to maybe share a few, a little bit of that language um, to some of our listeners, if that's okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it really, uh, it really depends because every seller is a little bit different. You know, some will like have multiple properties and understand the game and, you know, they might be selling for a different reason than somebody that this is their like primary residence or, you know, this is their, their second home. They, you know, bought it and moved away and try to renting it, rent it out. And it just didn't work out. Like those are two very different people. And that's like two of, you know, the, the thousands of scenarios of different people. What if, you can what if with. we did an example where it was a, a second property, it wasn't their primary, it was more of an investment purpose. And let's just assume that they did understand. <clears throat> yeah, that's really good. What, like, what I really like to do in that situation is most of these people have like not seen that house in a long time. It's especially if they live, you know, out of state. Um, and what I would do to like find these people, you, you guys probably know, but for the people listening, you can go on list source and create these lists and like search for a certain criteria and find people that own property uh, off, based off like the pub- public records that list source aggregates. Somebody that owns a property, say here in Panama City Beach, Florida, but they're an out-of-state owner. So you can filter for that. And then if you know you're doing your due diligence, you're looking at these houses, maybe driving for dollars, you can see the ones that are neglected. You know, they've got a tarp on the roof, they've got trash all outside, yards overgrown, like it's clearly kind of vacant. So um, what I've done, and like Deal Machine is one of these things that does this. You can like take a picture of the property and send it to the owner, either in like direct mail or a text message marketing, whatever it is. And I've heard of people like getting these letters like, holy crap, that's my house. You know, like I can, I can recognize it's mine, but it, it looks just completely different. So they don't know the condition of their place. Um, and you can like point that out to them and kind of call, you know, they, this is still like they owns they own real estate. So you got to find ways to kind of call the baby ugly without calling the baby ugly, you know, just, <laughs> just point out, <laughs> yeah, point out different things. Yeah. All the baby ugly. <laughs> exactly. Without calling it like so, like point out the roof, and be like oh, you know this this roof, that's it, probably not you know structurally sound, right? There's probably water leaking in, and kind of lead them to like, yeah, you know, it probably is. You know, we tarped it for that reason, or or like um, to be something like, oh, you see that water damage there? You know, that could be from you know from intrusion. You know, that's gonna that'll take money for you to remediate because like you want to try to get them to realize like the expenses and the costs that'll take to do this. Um, and if they're, if they're already in that financial situation and they're like, man, I don't have the money to do that. You become their solution. Like, Hey, this is what we do. We, we, we buy and renovate. Um, at the time it was like, we buy and renovate hurricane damage homes, um, like motor remediation and, you know, rehabbing and like all that kind of stuff became the norm at the time. Cause I, I do contracting in the air force. We're doing all that there. I was doing out in the real estate world and just kind of got 
um, very familiar with it because everybody had the same problem and just figure out how to solve it. So I th- those are the biggest things like identify kind of the person you're talking to and what they're, you know, kind of put yourself in their shoes with empathy of like what they might be feeling or going through and then just finding the way that you can solve that problem for them. And that's kind of true for every scenario, but just the problems always vary. I, I love that uh, call the baby ugly without calling the baby ugly thing because <laughs> it, it's the same when you're offering on, on a deal, right? So you're talking to a broker that's give, giving you a deal and you're going to offer like 70% of list price or 60% of list price. So you got to like find a way to do it without insulting them. So you say, you know, yeah. I love the property, you did a great job marketing and I love the property, but it doesn't work for me because of X, Y, and Z. So you sort of put it on yourself. So it's like calling the baby yeah. ugly without calling the baby ugly. I, I like, or just I like, like ask those ugly. probing <laughs> questions that, that, that yeah. they, be, they become aware of it without you having to say it. You're like, oh, you know, that's that flooring is probably like, you know, like 1980s or something. Like, what did you think? And they're like, yeah, oh, yeah, you know, it is, yeah, it's pretty bad, but you know, you can, you know, flooring is easy to change out. And then you just do that over and over and over again. And it just gets in their head like, holy crap, man, this thing needs a lot of work. Maybe this guy <laughs> does, you know, know what he's talking about. Yeah. All right, so- the title, call the baby ugly. <laughs> Name of the podcast. Call the baby, <laughs> Call the baby ugly. ugly. With Blake Blake Daly. <laughs> <laughs> you guys gassing me up. Oh, so, so Blake, uh, let's 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 you know fast forward to now. You're, you're doing a lot of Airbnb <clears throat> stuff in both Florida and Tahoe, I believe. Let's let's talk about your portfolio yep. now. You know what you're doing specifically and and how it's unique compared to other conventional multifamily real estate. Yeah, this, this burn yeah, yeah, so I got going. Burbnb, baby. Yeah. So this is um, it, it really became. Uh, how it developed was like, I was doing all these residential rehabs, like small multifamily, um, two and three units. Well, I think they're actually all twos. Yeah. All like small multifamily residential and doing rehabs and doing the birth strategy. And then when I was renting them, I was making them short-term rentals. So like down here in Florida, we have a really good uh, short-term rental market, especially like Memorial Day to Labor Day. And then in the in the winter, like you have all this supply. So then you got to get really crafty with your, your marketing and all the other things you do. So we pretty much stayed full all year round, um, just at lower rates. But I was seeing that we could buy these houses, you know, on the purchase side, like anywhere from like 150 to 200,000. And this was in Panama City, not Panama City Beach, which like you can get probably values are probably 50 to like 100% higher, depending on the neighborhood over there. So whereas you would buy a house for four or 500,000 over there that would do, you know, 90 or 80 to a hundred thousand in income a year. I was buying these houses for 150 to 200, putting like 50 to 70 in them, in them, burying out all my money, you know, having a property that's now worth 250 to 300,000 that'll grow 60 or 70,000 a year. So like the, the numbers were much better and each property I was cash flowing like a thousand bucks a month where long-term rental would have been, anywhere from like two to 300 a month. So blown it out of the water, like three to five X on the cash flow side and got to the point where I, my like net cash flow every month was more than my air force income. And this was like the first year way earlier than I thought just by like doing this and kind of having my head down and grinding. And I was like, man, because that was like my five-year goal. I got a five-year commitment. It's like, I want to be in this position in five years. And it happened in that first year. I was like, maybe my goals are too low. Like I just, I set my bar, my expectations too low when I was just grinding. And that's, you know, I was a middle linebacker in college. So like, I just put my head down and do, you know, and get <laughs> like stuff it. done. And sometimes it gets me in trouble. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> I get into to really good deals because of it. But I was at that point. I was like, man, I need to go bigger because like, what if I took this, you know, the experience I've gained over the last year or so, you know, the drive I have 
and apply it to something bigger. And I really wanted to get into multifamily to be more passive because I started to get to these houses all over the county that I was driving to, or my wife and I was driving to and taking care of the maintenance, taking care of guests. And I wanted to be, you know, the whole passive income thing, you know, which brings a lot of people into real estate. And then you get big enough. You're like, man, it's never really passive. So, (laughs) but I wanted to get there. So we got into commercial multifamily. It took like eight months of grinding, talking to brokers, underwriting deals, um, you know, making investor connections. And we finally closed on one last February, a 66 unit. And that was like right at the time, you know, stimulus money was everywhere. Interest rates were at like, they're all time lows. I wish they're still back there. <laughs> um, but because of that, institutions were just flush with cash and they couldn't buy, you know, equities or stocks or whatever, because, you know, they all tanked or whatever, or they're on their way back. They're just down. So with interest rates super low, like all the smart guys on Wall Street and this institutional money, we started coming to um, first like commercial multifamily. Now it's spread out to residential homes and they're just scooping up, you know, in a lot of these markets, just homes by the freaking dozens or even more. Um, So that kind of pushed me out of multifamily because I was analyzing, you know, probably a dozen deals a week, if not more. And, you know, really on it. And like, I could just see the returns, like getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. It's like, I'm spending more time but the returns are getting small, like working harder, but like not finding the juice worth a squeeze. Um, so I was like, why don't we pivot a little bit? You know, I had this, I felt because we had at the time um, eight short-term rental units. So we kind of had like a little multifamily portfolio that had, you know, two units on each one. So we had four of those. And I was like, what if we went out and bought a multifamily, like a bigger multifamily, commercial multifamily property and could convert this to short-term rentals, like our cash flow would be way, way bigger. You know, we could do the renovation, redesign, refurnish and make it really nice. Like find a distressed, um, a distressed multifamily or even take a, um, a distressed hotel and turn it into multifamily. Um, because I still wanted to be in that multifamily zone. Like I just did, you know, I was looking for anything that would be better returns and end up founding this eight unit, um, motel in Fort Walton beach that kind of started everything. And my plan for that, still working on this project, by the way, we're so close to being done after <laughs> what's it been 16 months or whatever. But that was the first one of these uh, older motels that we're going to convert into a boutique hotel and really do that Burr B&B strategy, you know, buy, rehab, rent, refinance and repeat, but the rent will be with short-term rentals. So those will all be eight short-term rentals. And that led to like looking for more of those because the purchase price, I got this thing. I was like, man, this is this is crazy. Like there's no way I can go wrong. And you know, 16 months later, um, you know, the rehab budgets like doubled the, the, the city delayed it and it's still going to work out. Okay. You know, knock on wood because, you know, I got it at such a, you know, good price and good terms up front with seller financing. Um, and now we've, we got, uh, we have bought three more of those in 2021 that are all stabilized cash now and we just bought one in march that literally went live today so nice congratulations <laughs> the, uh, the, Airbnb, yeah. the airbnb notifications boom 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 <laughs> in, so. love it i love it <clears throat> so it's been a been a, a a fun journey on that and re- it really was all just a pivot on um kind of what we knew and like taking our our experience like our passion for like me and my partner our, our passion for you know creating something like taking something old, like an old digi motel and turning it into a really cool space. That's got a great, you know, redesign and look to it. The listings photos look awesome. They're either right across from the beach or, you know, right by the, the ski village in Lake Tahoe. And I mean, they're just really good properties that rent really well, stay full 
and cash flow better than, you know, the multifamily stuff we potentially could have bought. And now we're scaling this and it's been, been super stressful the last eight months, you know, <laughs> as you put 80, 80 short-term listings online, there's, you know, thousands of messages that, that we do a week now. And it's kind of crazy, but it's fun. Yeah. That's, go ahead. I was just going to, I was going to follow up and ask, because you mentioned, you know, 80 new listings uh, over the course of a short period of time. How do you, how do you manage that workload? So I think we have, um, and including like 299 and W2, I think we have 29 or 30 employees now. So we have everything in house from cleaning to our uh, listing management. We've got um, an operations manager and a director of operations, um, a, an office manager that handles all the back end and the, uh, the short-term rental taxes that we have to pay every month and payroll. Like she processes all of that. And then we have a property manager and assistant property manager for each location and just kind of building that out as we go. And as we get the next round of oper- uh, the next round of properties to grow the revenue, we'll grow the team as well. And hopefully bring in HR because that takes a lot of time um, and marketing to generate more, bring more business like directly to our website and have direct bookings to, you know, we'll get that, that chunk of revenue back that, you know, the, the booking platforms take. Um, so yeah, we've got like 29 or 30 people now and all, all the e-concierge, all the guest management, we have that. And now a word from our show sponsor. Let me let you in on the best kept secret when it comes to investing in single or multifamily flips. Hire an interior designer. Now stay with me. We're not talking about curtains and throw pillows here. We're talking about elevating your design, reconfiguring your floor plans, and developing functional spaces, all to maximize your ROI. Melanie Renee Designs has over 12 years of experience designing in the San Diego real estate market and is ready to help you increase your profits on flips, buy and holds, or short-term vacation rentals. Reach out to Melanie herself at melreneh at gmail.com. That's M-E-L-R-E-N-E-H at gmail.com. And make sure to tell her that we sent you. No, that's, that's, that's a lot of solid. <laughs> and I love the thoroughness. Uh, normally, we would move into the, the legacy round, which is allowing you to really just talk about your first deal. But I feel like, Blake, you know, I know you're a podcast guy and you can definitely tell um, when we have other podcasters on here or people that have done a lot of interviews, you did a great job of just highlighting various different deals and going in detail in that. So I, I think for even for the sake of time, we can move into the the last segment of the show, which is the Giordano round. As you know, this is the multifamily by the size podcast. And the Giordano round is, is you know, Chicago deep dish pizza is the, the number one deep dish place right. there. And so these are going to be All series right. of rapid fire questions between Ike and I going back and forth, leaving our listeners with deep, Juicy mouthfuls of knowledge. So the first one is, you're Man, on the top of the highest mountain in the world. These mm-hmm. are your last words before you die. What would you scream out to the world and want them to remember, Blake? Bye. Ooh, man, that's a really good question. I wish you would like told me that beforehand. I could have like <laughs> thought all day about a really compelling answer. Um, man, am I like at the end of my life, or is this like me now, just transported to the top of a mountain? These the last words before you die, bro. What you gonna oh, say? The last word before I die. I don't know. I would like to say something like super compelling and that just makes a lasting impact. And they put on like subways and billboards <laughs> everywhere. I'd probably just like tell my, I'd probably just tell my wife, like, don't sell anything. Just hold on. That's, that's, that's pretty on. impactful. It just appreciates forever. <laughs> that's pretty impactful. I like that. All right, I love um, it. I love it. Next question. If there was one slice of wisdom you wish you knew when you got started or advice you could pass on to others, what would it be? Mm, one piece of knowledge I wish I would have got 
earlier. I think this came about the right time, but, but you know, the earlier, the better. Um, but find like, find where you can bring value and like find the other pieces around you, like find your team members, whether it be on that specific deal or like creating a partnership, like my partner and I now complement each other really great. Um, you know, with our, our skill sets and the, the value we bring to the business, um, just really like our personalities too. Like we're kind of yin and yang there. So I think when you find the right people, it one makes what you do really fun and enjoyable. And then, and two, it just like it, it's a, it's a multiplying effect. So this is what I've kind of learned over the last year of adding more people to our business and growing out our operations is like each additional, you know, capable person you bring in creates like this multiplying effect that more gets done with less out of you being like the sole driver, like the only one swinging the hammer. Like you got a bunch of people, you know, swinging hammers and and get stuff done. So I think when you find the right people and put the right pieces together, and this can be like on one deal, like, Hey, I need to go buy my first or like my first or my next duplex, right? Like, Like who's the guy, um, that can like either one, find me a really good deal. If you've got the money, or if you don't have the money, like chase down, like build a big funnel, like mail every duplex owner in the County that you're looking at, um, call them, mail them, follow up with them, like go to meetings with them, like do everything you can to find a good deal. And then bring that piece of, you know, the, either like the bank lender or like the, the partner that has experience with whatever you need, like renovations or will bring money as well. But when you put all those pieces together, you know, and that just, and you consistently do that. It's like stair, te- stair steps. You just keep building, you keep building your knowledge, your expertise, your cash flow, and your equity, hopefully. Um, and you just keep going. It makes it fun. Okay. What are your favorite or three most critical real estate terms multifamily investors should know and why? Like a def, like a term like our IRR or something like that? Like, yeah, IRR, NOI, equity multiple. What are your favorite three Ooh. that you think are critical? My favorite three in multifamily, I would say, Probably the I got to say one out of three is cash on cash return because if you, if you've got a, like a really good deal um, and it's just not generating cash flow every month, like either look at your expenses, okay, you, you know, add to the top line of the revenue because your NOI is going to um, drive you and you're you know obviously you don't want your debt to be too high to have no cash flow. So cash on cash, um, I'm a cash flow guy, so I like the big equity jumps, but if you just keep adding cash, that adds up. Um, IRR, I think is a really important on your internal rate of return, because if you're not looking at how your investment plays out over time, you're, you know, probably, you're definitely not seeing how your investment actually works. And especially today with inflation, if you're not like thinking about the time value of your money and how your money turns and compounds and like how your money creates wealth over time, you're, you're really not taking a holistic view and approach to investing. So internal rate of return is a big one. Um, and the last term, oh man, I don't know. Lately it's been ADR, average daily rate with, uh, <clears throat> with our short-term rentals, boutique hotels and how we can press that. We're coming into high season, which, you know, it keeps ticking up on our, on our scorecard every week. We track all our metrics. So seeing that ADR um, go up and up and the, property that we've been put in online in April because the lessons learned with revenue management and stuff like that is like apples to apples, but has a higher ADR average daily rate than the one we put on December. So it's just, it's cool to see those metrics go up, which are obviously, you know, with the expenses staying roughly the same, the, uh, the cash flow going up. So. Nice. Nice. I'm glad you mixed in a short-term rental term there. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Gotta do it. Yeah. Had to, <laughs> had to, had to. Love, had it, to. love it. All right. Last question. 
Education is critical in this business. What books, apps, or mastermind groups would you recommend listeners immerse themselves in? Ooh, man, that's a really good one. So I would say mastermind groups, whatever it is, like vet the, you know, uh, whatever you call it, the sponsor, the person who runs that mastermind group. And if that's where you like want to see yourself in however many years, five, 10 years, like get in that group, get around people who are, are where you want to be and who, you know, talk the language you need to be speaking and learning to be really competent uh, in whatever niche you're going to pursue. So I've been a part of several mastermind groups. One I've been part of, it's just four guys we met like every Tuesday almost for just over two years now. And like that camaraderie there, that passing around of ideas, that fellowship, it's like enriching and also like financially rewarding at the same time because we give each other ideas um, and, you know, just be there to support each other. So these mastermind groups are so important. Like if you're not in one right now, like go find one that fits you. Like if it's multifamily, go do that. Like if you want to fix and flip homes, like go get in a flipping mastermind and just learn and be around those people. Cause like you'll just be a sponge and absorb all this information. Um, and then books, I would say one that made an impact on me that I read, uh, probably in the mid or late last year was who not how, uh, by Dan Hardy, um, something, something hardy, uh, but who not how. So it's all about like when you present with the problem or you got something you get, you, you need to get done. Think who, like who can do this, not how can I do this? So that just, what I was talking about earlier, but like trying to create multiples of your productivity. So you can either just cut that thing out altogether. Like, you know, this does not need to get done. You can delegate it or you can outsource it. So like, think about all these things that you need to get done. Can I outsource this? Can I delegate it to somebody on my team? Or do, like, does it even need to get done? Is it just being a time suck on me? Do I need to cut this out? Um, who not how is a really good one. A book that's helped me a ton and probably made me uh, probably not a hundred thousand, probably just short of that is, um, Never split the difference. Negotiation, the negotiation book by Chris Voss. Use that one a lot. You know, talking to sellers, talking to brokers, and just you know, always thinking about not always like coming at it with an angle like a salesman, but just like thinking about like what the other side's going through, how you can bring value and find like those win-win situations. So, never split the difference was a really good book for that. Well, I appreciate you for having coming on the show, Blake. How can multi-family by the slice <clears throat> listeners best get in touch with you? Yeah, man. appreciate you having me on. I think the best way right now would probably be uh, Instagram. So I'm on there, Blake J. Daly, D-A-I-L-E-Y. Don't forget the E. Come up follow somebody you. else. Yep. So Blake J. Daly, uh, if you guys message me on Instagram, I will message you back. I don't have my notifications on because it um, it just it takes my attention away, but I check it same. pretty often. Yeah, stay same. up to date. So, yeah. <laughs> Dude, same turning way. notifications off has changed my life. Gmail. Life no, hack. The only thing, life hack, man. Yeah. The only notifications is like text messages. So that when my wife is like, Hey, bring me coffee on your way home from work. I can pick her up some <laughs> Starbucks. You need that notification. Yeah, otherwise you're making life that. worse. Yeah. yeah. I come back home and it gets worse. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, thank you, Blake. Uh, my listeners, I'm Dre Evans, host of the Multi Family by the Sites podcast. I got my other host, Ike AK. Thank you again for tuning in and check us out. www.multifamilybytheslice.com. If you like the show, please leave us a five star review that helps us bring more knowledge, more great wisdom, more great nuggets to other people, you know, so we can bring in more content to spread the word and make sure you all grow and learn. So we appreciate you all. We love you all. Our Slice family signing out. Cool, man. Thank you for listening to the Multifamily by the Slice podcast. 
be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Lastly, check out the show notes for links to topics discussed, as well as website and social media links for Dre, Ike, and our guest. See you next week.